Welcome to Pour Out Ministries podcast. We are so thankful you're listening today. Our prayer for every single listener is that your heart would be awakened for more of Jesus, that the love of the Father would wash over you and the power of the Holy Spirit would burn in you. We love you and we believe you'll be blessed today as you listen to the Word of God. I for the Lord really began to unlock my heart to seek Him when I first read that verse. And like I said, I would go into environments that, I mean, had it all. I mean, had the lights, had the, the talent, had, every, I mean, everything you can imagine. But yet it was empty of the word of the Lord. And it was empty of the presence of the Lord. And I would rather be in the presence of the Lord in a jail cell than be in a room with the most elite people in the world without the Word of God and without the presence of God. I, I would rather be living in the backside of a desert somewhere with rations to eat, but have the presence of the Lord than to have all I could eat, all the money in the world without the presence of the Lord. You see, there's a lesson. I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but Deuteronomy 8 tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but man shall live by every word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. That's how we live. Jesus said it like this. He said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. We live off of Him. We don't live off of our carnal desires and appetites. We live off of Him. He is life. I'm going to read this verse one more time. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. That's Amos 8, 11 and 12. So, me and my wife, during that same time where the Lord really began to unlock this seek, seeker thing on the inside of me, we, we decided that the presence of the Lord was so important to us, the Word of the Lord was so important to us, that we would lay down the very things that God had blessed us with and to move across the country, leaving family, leaving friends, leaving everything we knew, just so that we could be in what I would call the degree of the presence of the Lord that we felt like we were designed for. We, we didn't want anything less. We had tasted something, a move of God, a revival. We had tasted a, an apostolic type of word that was coming forth, an apostolic teaching that the book of Acts talks about, that they devoted their lives to the apostles' teaching. And we said, this is what we're going to do. We left everything to be in that. And through a series of three, three years, the Lord led us back through some very supernatural things. It just opened doors, words of the Lord in grocery stores. He led us back. And where I'm at today, speaking to fathers and mothers, and this is almost like a, a, an urge 
a help me as a mom and dad, I'm speaking to all of you, that I won't live in a dry and barren land. I will not live in a dry and barren land. I cannot live in a dry and barren land. My generation will not live in a dry and a barren land. My my son and daughter will not live in a dry and barren land. A dry and barren land. I'm sorry, I'm emotional tonight, but we will not settle for anything less. We will live in the presence of the Lord. We will live under an open heaven. We will live where anything is possible to him who believes. We won't live in the, the traditional religious church game where we come just on Sunday morning for an hour or two. We raise our hands, but on Monday morning, if we were to be honest, we're dead as a doorknob because the only time we worship is on Sunday morning. And we've learned how to play the game of lifting our hands and putting on our face. I'm going to tell you, my life's not all peaches and roses and put together. I, will, I refuse to play the game. I've always refused to play the game. I need help. I need help raising my children. I need help being a husband. I need help with my attitude. But I do have one thing on the inside of me, and it's a hunger and a desire for the presence of the Lord. And that I won't back off of. Proverbs 19, verse 15 says this, Go ahead, be lazy and passive, but you'll go hungry if you live that way. Food does not get to your table by accident. And can y'all join in faith with me? I'm releasing this over the atmosphere tonight. I'm releasing this over this region tonight. As a son of Yahweh, I'm releasing this word over this region. Go ahead and be lazy and passive, but you'll go hungry if you live that way. Food does not get to your table by accident. You make it a priority to feed yourself. The choicest of meals. There's even a price that most of us do not even really consider what we are doing anymore. It has become a habit. Complete survival instinct at its finest. We tend to think most of our daily actions are to provide for the wants that are out of reach. Or the needs that burden us down. Or even those things we apprehended out of season that have become, become a thorn in our side. Me and Kristen have one of those. <laughs> Something we apprehended out of season. A carnal desire that has become a thorn in our side. But you learned that lesson hopefully once. Uh, man. Or even because of, because of this we have forgotten the simplest of truth. That we do things that we do not desire at times to attain things that sustain our physical needs for life itself. I wrote this last night. I'm going to read that again one more time to you. Because of this, we have forgotten the simplest of truth, that we do things that we do not desire to do, 
so that we can attain things that sustain our physical needs for life itself and also to attain things which we desire. Why else would we do some of the things we do? There is a spiritual truth inside of these sentences. We wake up, we go to work, we operate within the system of this world, the nine to five, we pay our bills, to what? To attain things, to attain food, to attain shelter, to attain clothing. It's no different in the spirit. But yet Proverbs says, go ahead, be lazy, be passive, and you will go hungry. A lot of people read the Proverbs and they apply it to the natural, but yet they forget to apply it to the spirit. Isaiah 55, 1 through 6 says this, Listen, are you thirsty for more? It's a question he asks. Are you thirsty for more? Come to the refreshing waters and drink. Even if you have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come and buy all the wine and milk you desire. It won't cost you a thing. Hallelujah. Why spend your hard-earned money on something that, that can't nourish you or work so hard for something that can't satisfy? So listen carefully to me, and you'll enjoy a sumptuous feast, delighting in the finest of food. Pay attention and come closer to me and hear that your total being may flourish. I will enter into an everlasting covenant with you and I will show you the same faithful love that I showed David. See, I made him a witness to the nations, an example of leadership as prince and commander of the peoples. Look, you will summon nations you never heard of, Nations who have never heard of you will come running to follow you because Yahweh your God, the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. Seek the Lord Yahweh when he makes himself approachable. Call upon him when you sense he is near. Another translation y'all would be familiar with says, Seek him while he may be found. A few points from Isaiah. Inside the revelation of Christ, all excuses get removed. What's he say? He gives this invitation. He says, come and buy. Come and, come and purchase this wine and this milk and the choices of food. He says, come and buy it. But then he says this. I found it so interesting. He says, even if you have no money. He just removes the excuse of why we wouldn't purchase something in the spirit. We don't purchase it. We don't purchase the things of the spirit simply in the natural. We purchase them in the spirit. Paul talks about laboring in the spirit. We also can labor with him in the spirit and purchase things in the spirit. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is free. It's paid for. It has been bought at a price. But I am talking about those things of the spirit that he refuses to give to the casual the casual heart that he hides he hides things from us there are several things in the kingdom that the holy spirit considers as purchasing slash buying 
Let me make myself clear. I'm not talking about earning salvation. We just talked about that. I'm dealing with the spiritual numbness and feeble, brittle bones of the bride that he loves that has already received the free gift of salvation. We are starving and entitled to spiritual milk to be spoon-fed to us. When the word of Yahweh, the water he gives, is meant to be found by those who seek. Say, those who seek. Remember what we learned last week. The very first words Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John were what? What do you seek or want? What do you seek? The very first words Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John. Meditate on that. The weight of that statement is massive. I've, I've sat on that statement for two weeks now. And I think a lot of times we got to learn how to sit on a statement that the Holy Spirit enlightens to us. For two weeks, I've been thinking, what is it that I seek? When he asked me that, what is it? What is it that I seek? And it's really shown the light on a lot of ugly truths in my heart, but also a lot of good truths. And we have to get rid of the ugly ones and and move forward with the good ones. Currencies. He has given us currencies by His grace. And seeking is one of them. Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. His promises, say this, His promises are too precious to stumble upon. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search a matter out. The Passion says it this way, God conceals the revelation of His Word in the hiding place of His glory. How beautiful is that? God conceals the revelation of His Word in the hiding place of His glory. But the honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. Yahweh is not cruel for making us seek Him. He's not cruel for that. What an honor I have to seek the One who spoke the world into existence. The One who is love. I get to uncover Him by honoring Him enough to seek Him. And this is what, this is what I was talking about at the very beginning. It is honor. It is honoring the Father to actually not be lazy and passive. It is honoring the Father to actually seek Him. To actually seek His face. And that when He said Mary chose the better part, He said that because Mary was actually honoring Him. But do you know who invited Him that day? Martha. Martha's the one who invited him. And it's a picture of the church. It is a picture of us saying, we 
come, Jesus, come. Come and be with us. And then he comes and we run around in circles doing a million other things. But yet we had an, we are the one who invited him. But Mary chooses the better part. She chooses to sit at his feet. And what happens, and I don't know, really know how to get to this, man. Father, help me tonight. <laughs> what happens to me is I have not yet fully died to those things in the natural that affirm my life. That if I was successful, I would have this. That if I was loved, I would have this. If you know, I was truly called or anointed, it would look like this. And yet, all of those things are trying to take the kingdom of God in the precious presence of the Holy Spirit and try to use it to attain something in the natural. And you will continually stay offended and continually stay frustrated the rest of your life if all you're doing in your relationship with the Lord is trying to attain an end goal. It it would you will constantly stay frustrated. Even prophecies. Even prophecies that have been spoken over your life by people you trust. If you take those prophecies into the bedchamber and you're using the bedchamber to try to get the prophecy fulfilled, I'm telling you, you're committing spiritual adultery. And you are gonna stay, you're gonna feel frustrated. On the inside, you're going to feel aggravated. You're going to not know why this relationship isn't really fulfilling you the way that it once fulfilled you. And it's because you're tainting the bedchamber that's designed for nothing else but intimacy. Nothing else but intimacy. He's not cruel for making us seek Him, it's an honor. Psalms 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. What a confidence. The war may rise against me, Though an army encamp around me. What kind of man was David? What kind of man was he? He had every right. For 16 years in the wilderness. Running for his life. The one that he served in the house of. Played the harp for. 
tried to kill him. He lost his only best friend. But this man said, in this one thing will I be confident, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. What kind of man was David? What kind of seeker was he? See, I haven't been through anything like David. But I have been through some things. And I'm looking at a room filled with people who have been through some things. But the one thing that he can't ever take from us is the confidence to be a seeker. The confidence to go for it and say, I am going to see your face. I am going to behold your beauty today. You can't take it from me. You can stick me anywhere you want. And I've been stuck some places in my life. And you know what? I've never had the right to seek his face be stripped from me. It can never be. And it's the one thing that will sustain us. David once again uncovering a revelation in an inferior covenant. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. There is still just one thing I desire. And I have made a decision that that and that alone will I seek. You see, seeking the right thing will keep you out of the pit of offense. Let's say that again. Because Jesus prophesied, and a lot of people don't focus on this prophecy. I've, I have focused on it because, and again, this is transparent nice. I have focused on it because I have been the one that's been offended before. But Jesus prophesied in the last days, many would be offended. It's a prophetic word from the Son of God himself. In the last days, many would be offended. And what what did he say was would be the consequence of that offense? That the love of many would grow cold. What kind of love? The love that's supposed to be between a bride and a bridegroom, a father and a son. The love of many would grow cold because of offense. Seeking the right thing. This is a, a currency in the kingdom we're releasing tonight. Seeking the right thing will keep you out of the pit of offense. So many are trapped in this place. We must have a made up mind like David. Even if war may rise against me, my one desire is still to seek him. Look at this, and then I'll, I think I'm going to call Jonathan if he's available. If not, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, in fact, man, why don't you jump, just jump on the keys and see if we can get that going, because we're not prepared tonight, so it may take us a minute.
John 6, 22 through 30. Y'all, is everybody okay? Okay. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side, this is right after the feeding of the, of the 5,000. It's the very next day, right after Jesus multiplied bread and fish. People were standing on the other side of the seesaw, sea and saw that there was no other boat there except that, one, except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they also got into the boats and they came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. There's a word. They came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes. Sounds like Jesus was quoting Isaiah. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. It's a picture right now. They're coming. Jesus had just done a mighty miracle the day before. He had multiplied bread and fish. And here they come running. The Bible says seeking Jesus again. And Jesus looks at them and says, You don't seek me because of the signs. You seek me because you have carnal desires in your heart. You are trying to take the Son of God to accomplish what you want. We do not seek Jesus for carnal desires. I've been guilty of that. We all have. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about, I want to be clear, I feel the Holy Spirit instructing me right now. I'm not talking about praying for sickness. I'm not talking about praying for a need. I'm not talking about praying for a child. I'm talking about carnal desires, motives and agendas, obje objectives and ends to a mean, trying to use Jesus for success in a realm that, Je that Jesus he's not always concerned with you being so successful in a realm if your interior world is not successful if your interior world is not flourishing if the peace of God truly is, isn't on the inside of you he doesn't want to give you something that would make it easy for you to be at a false peace or a false comfort Jesus is a good, he, the Father is a good Father, and Jesus knows 
how to get you to where you need to be. Jesus wants to bless, but the greatest blessing he could give us is to not is not to simply satisfy a natural desire for bread, but to give us eternal bread, the bread of life. This has answered some of my life's hardest questions for me. To believe, to believe is to eat his flesh and to drink his blood. To believe in him is to eat his flesh and to drink his blood. Matthew 11, a couple more verses. Matthew 11, 2 through 4. Now while John the baptizer was in prison, he heard about the wonderful deeds of Christ. So he sent his disciples to ask him this question. Are you really one of the prophets? Are you really the one the prophets said would come? Or should we still wait for another? Jesus answered them, Give John this report. The blind see again. The crippled walk. Lepers are cured. The deaf hear and the dead are raised back to life. And the poor and broken now hear the hope of salvation. Tell John, and I'll pay attention to this part. Tell John the blessing of heaven comes to those who are not offended over me. Here we have John the Baptist, the greatest prophet in the inferior covenant to ever walk the face of the earth. He's the one who had the eyes to see the Son of God for the first time. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But now he's sitting in a prison and he sends some of his disciples to ask this question. Go ask him, is he really the one? Is he really the one? Or should we look for another? Should we seek another one? And I don't know about you, but I've been there in my life before. With even after the history and the track record of his faithfulness and the power and the glory that I've experienced, I have looked with my natural eyes at circumstances just like John the Baptist was doing right here and asked, is all of it really true? Is he really as good as he says he is? Is he really a good father? Is he really a healer? Come on, let the religion roll off of your heart tonight. Go there with me. Is he really a healer? love Jesus' reply. The gentleness of his love. Jesus answered, give this report to John. The blind see again. The crippled walk. Lepers are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised back to life. The poor and the broken now hear the hope of salvation. Tell John that the blessing of heaven comes to those who are not offended because of me. What was he saying? 
He's saying, John, your circumstance may not look good right now, but I want you to look again. I want you to see it. You've heard it and you've seen it, John. I want you to look again. The deaf still do hear. The dead still are raised. People still dear. They still hear the good news. I am still moving. I am still moving. I am still pouring out my spirit. I am still baptizing people with fire and with hunger and with love. I'm telling you, John, open your eyes one more time and take a look. The blessing of heaven will come upon you, John. The blessing of heaven will come upon you, John. Another translation says this. Blessed is the one who continues to believe no matter the outcome. No matter the outcome. We forget the book that we read, every single one of the apostles was martyred for their faith. They were burned at the stake. They were pulled apart by horses. They were impelled with spears through their body. But yet they went out singing and they went out rejoicing and they went out, they were boiled alive in pots. But yet, they were not offended. This gospel is a gospel of good news. And this gospel cannot be stopped. And this gospel will go forth forever and ever and ever. And the enemy can do what he wants to do to try to stop it, but he won't stop it. I think it was something like 300 years before Martin Luther nailed the 99 thesis to the, the door in Wittenberg. There was another man, I believe they boiled him to death. And he said, he had a prophecy. He said, you may kill me, but another's coming. And he said, it's something about, you may kill the goose or something like that. Brother Ron could probably help me with this. But another one's coming after me. And I got news for you, that was probably one of the greatest prophecies ever spoken in modern time. Because the truth is, you may kill me, but guess what? Another's coming after me. See, it has nothing to do with me or you. It has to do with the one who lives inside of me. <laughs> and you already tried to kill him once. But he rose from the dead on the third day. And now we get to have resurrection power living on the inside of us. When we get the revelation of eternal life and the revelation of resurrection power, when we fully begin to get it, I'm telling you the joy of the Lord will begin to overflow on the inside of us. because you are his son and daughter he will put you on life support to keep you alive but you are spiritually numb in that state he desires to give you all that you can eat and drink if you will seek him the natural circumstances of life can be used to awaken the next currency we receive from the Holy Spirit. To stay out of this passive and lazy attitude that Proverbs talked about, 
and spiritual numbness. But there are some other pits to avoid. Now, I'm not going to go into that other one tonight. I don't feel like we should. But I do want to camp out on a, a couple things before we go to work into worship. In Psalms 14, verse 2, it says this. Yahweh, it's a picture of Yahweh seeking. See, we don't just seek. He seeks too. Psalms 14, 2 says, Yahweh looks down in love, looking over all of Adam's sons and daughters. He's looking to see if there is anyone who acts wisely and anyone who is searching for God and wanting to please Him. Let that verse just penetrate. Yahweh looks down in love, looking over all of Adam's sons and daughters. He's looking to see if there's anyone who acts wisely, anyone who is searching for God and wanting to please Him. Psalm 17, verse 7. I'm going to fly through these. Magnify the marvels of your mercy to all who seek you. What a statement. David's saying, God, magnify the marvels of the mercy of God to those who are seekers. You see, we can't stumble upon some of the promises of God. The love of God you cannot earn. You can't make Him love you any more than He loves you right now. But the promises of God are attained by those who seek Him. The love of God, you can't earn it. He loves you. It's settled. But the promises of God are attained by seeking. Seeking is one of the greatest currencies of the kingdom that we could ever have unlocked on the inside of us. Remember, Moses turned aside to see this bush. It was a common thing, but as he stared longer, he noticed the uncommon inside of the common. I pray by his grace tonight that the seeker would be awakened in us. And here's one last verse to meditate on. I know this is a lot tonight, but it's okay. Hebrews 11.6. Y'all probably all know that one. He is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek Him. Think about that concept. See your Father as a rewarder. Every encounter that I've come into outside of salvation has come by way of seeking. By throwing off that lazy, passive attitude and finally saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about this hunger on the inside. I'm going to do something about this hardness of heart. I'm going to do something about this numbness, this distance that I feel between me and Him. And throwing that off and beginning to diligently seek Him. You see, it, it starts out as a discipline, but it turns into an act of love. 
it starts out as actually having to put forth some effort. But then after the effort goes on for a little while and you begin to reap the reward of the one who rewards the seeker, you don't want to do anything else but seek. The only thing that tends to make sense to you anymore is seek. The more I seek you, I love this song, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. You see, Moses could have missed an opportunity. And I believe we all miss many opportunities to see the glory of the Lord. A burning bush in the desert was a common, common thing. It's probably something he saw quite often throughout his life. A bush being on fire in the middle of a desert. But yet, he turned aside to look at it one more time after he had probably seen it hundreds of times. And by looking at it, he noticed something different. He noticed that even though this one was on fire, it wasn't consumed. And when he saw that, it drew him nearer. I believe prophetically we're called to be those burning bushes. That yeah, people, especially around here, man, everyone's a Christian. You can't even hardly witness to anyone. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And it, it carries no weight and no value and no clout. You see, when Jonah, I love this, in the book of Jonah, when they said, who are you and where are you from? And Jonah responded and said this. He said, I am a Hebrew. When Jonah said, I am a Hebrew, the fear of God came upon those men. Because being a Hebrew meant something. They knew the God of the Hebrews. They knew who, <laughs> they knew who he belonged to. And the fear of God came over them. And I'm telling you, there should be a fear of God that comes over people when we tell them who we are. Amen. And I want to prophetically recover that. I want to recover what it means to be a follower of Christ. I want to recover what it means to be a part of the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. I want to recover what it means to be born again. I want to recover what it means to be baptized by the Holy Ghost in fire. I want to recover it. And we recover that by seeking. And as we seek, He rewards us with the original promises of what His Word says. Hunger and thirst is the next currency. And it's probably, probably the easiest kingdom account to withdraw and deposit from. Why? Because it starts as a choice. And from a choice, we in return keep a full, full account of hunger and thirst.
When you lose hunger and thirst, you're on your way to dying. Matthew 5, 6. I'm going to stop, stop there. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So again, it's weird for me to be sitting here speaking to fathers and mothers in the faith for me. But I'm asking you to join with me. And I know Jonathan's heart. I don't know him well yet. But the, the couple conversations that we've had on the phone, I know your heart for our, genera- for our generation. I know your heart for the prodigals. I know, I, I've sensed it in the couple conversations that we've had on the, on the phone. And as fathers and mothers, I'm asking you, I know you do. Let's turn up the heat. Let's seek for this region. I'm telling you, I refuse. I refuse for my kids to grow up in a drought. You see, Elijah was under an inferior covenant. And he commanded it when it rained, and he commanded it when it didn't rain. And I'm under a new covenant. And I will command when it rains and when it doesn't rain. And I command it to begin to rain in this region. I command the rain of heaven to begin to fall in this region. I begin, I, I ask Father right now that the rain of heaven would even this very night begin to fall in this region, Father. God, I, I come against this dry and weary land, God. You prophesied that we were supposed to till up the land, God. To till the land, to labor in the land, God, and that you would send the rain. God, to, to break up the stony ground, to break up. Thank you for listening to today's message. Make sure to stay connected through following us on Facebook or visiting our website at pouroutministries.com. If you would like to sow into what God is doing through Pour Out Ministries, there will be a link in the description below. We hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time on the podcast.